Hello, welcome to the final edition of the Bigfooty Tiger Cast for 2018. We thought we'd uh, whip one more together before Christmas and New Year comes along, especially since our new draftees are on board and the boys are back on the training track. AFLX is up and about and there's various opinions on that. Uh, and we've got a few off-topic discussions to have as well, just to carry on from our last podcast that was a bit more random than usual. Uh, tonight I've got a couple of guests with me um, who are reoccurring and they always bring some good laughs to the table. Captain Blood 17 and Grokodok, welcome to the show boys. Good evening. Cheers Michael, good to Thanks be back. Thanks for coming on. Well, semi-late notice, it was um, a few people have been asking for a podcast post the draftees and I thought we'd better get one together but um, I'm kind of glad we waited a little bit because a few more things have happened which gives us a bit more to talk about with the Tigers as well um, but Captain Blood I believe you wanted to kick us off um, you've sort of taken aim at someone or maybe a country is that right? I Boys I'm a little I'm emotionally erect I, I'm not going to lie I'm up and about and we didn't get to talk cricket in the last one but we're going to just talk a little bit of cricket first up and I just want to start, look, I'm a big Virat, or as I like to call him, Virat Coley fan. I am a big fan of his. I love the he's, he's like the closest thing we've got to an Aussie that isn't an Aussie on the cricket field. He's amazing. However, it's time to take his license away because he can't drive in Australia. It's that simple. <laughs> we've now seen the blueprint on how to roll the number one test team. And fair income, we need to just prepare green members for the rest of the season. I mean, fair income. If Adelaide can get it right, now let's talk about Adelaide. Adelaide, they think chips are cuisine. Adelaide think Crocs are fashion. They still think Shannon Knoll is an artist. And they also think that Josh Jenkins is a footballer. Like, if they, for God's sake, if they can get a pitch right, and I mean, in Western Australia, I mean, they're three hours behind us, right? So that's all you need to know about Western Australia. They're behind us, right? If, if the MCG curator balls this pitch up and does not prepare what we've seen in the first two tests, I'm going to fucking brick my TV set on Boxing Day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> on so, Boxing Day? Well, at least you can go down to the yes. sales and buy a new one. <laughs> Correct. There's always an option of Big W something, right? So, in short, I just want to say, fuck you, Virat. Fuck you, India, and for Monkey Gate as well. Don't screw it up, Melbourne. I'm done. Yeah, that's uh, fair call with the pitches, especially the WA one, which has traditionally been a bit more of a hard deck, a bit more pace about it. Uh, but the uh, the GOAT, good old uh, Gary Lyon, as they call him, had an absolute field day and, and tore him to shreds. What well, he's dismissed Coley, is that seven or eight times now? Isn't it the most against... Yeah, seven, mo- uh, seven is the most. And then uh, Broad and Anderson are uh, second and third on five each. Good effort. And for what it's worth, I, I like the the spats that have been going on on the field with Coley and Payne and all that. I think it's good for the game. And Coley's the kind of bloke who can actually back up his talk with the bat as well um, on his day. So, But I think Payne's been a good standing captain for, I suppose, the sledging part of it too. The one he had the other day, uh, to, I can't remember who the batsman was, but saying, how could you possibly like Coley as a bloke? Like, I thought that was <laughs> yeah. a, a good bit of panther. <laughs> but, but, but just, you got to... Like I said, we, we, we've, we've actually got the way to beat them. And before we lose, we're, we're, th- we're 35 runs. We're 35 runs off being 2-0 two, two, uh, two up on these guys. That's how close we've come to being 2-0 up in the season. So uh, the boys are good enough. But my son come home. He's 14 years old, loves his cricket. And he was beaming after watching that last hour of today. And he's going, my God, Dad. He's like, it was amazing. You know, fast bowls trying to kill people. And I said, mate, welcome to 1990. That's what it yeah. used to be like, right? Pitches, you know, and keep in mind, on that Western Australian pitch, and people might be critical of it, we saw a century, 
Coley turned up on it. We saw a spinner take a heap of wickets, and we saw the pace bowlers intimidate batsmen. What more do you yeah. want? Yeah, it's perfect recipe, isn't it, for a, a good game of cricket? I still think, though, yeah. that, that the batting is our weakness. I'm not 100% sold on our batting lineup. I agree. Yeah, but, but the problem you got, you've got to have someone who's performing better to take their spots. So keep in mind, if we weren't dickheads and suspended um, Warner and um, Smith for an over-the-top um, wowser sanction, is what I like to call it, um, you'd pretty much have your opening batter come in to replace Finch in Warner and Sean Marsh would come out of the team for um, Smith. I'm sure Marsh. Be looking I know you said you've got to have someone who's batting better than him. Surely there's someone at state level or even district level that's averaging more than seven. Mate, he made 40. He's got a job for life, mate. Job for <laughs> life making 40. Well, <laughs> that's, that's the thing with uh, Sean Marsh, though. He's one of these players who's above state-level state, state level cricket, but he's not he's not good enough for, for international cricket. He's it's, the Tyrone Vickery. He, he, yeah, he's yeah, that in-betweener. Yeah, he's like boys, and the old guy, the old guy, old guys. I know who I'm talking about here. He's the Justin Plapp of uh, Australian <laughs> cricket. He kicked 15 goals in a VFL. Stick him up into the seniors, and uh, no good. <laughs> no, well, the Aussies are doing all right, and hopefully we can come out with a win on Boxing Day. Uh, should be a big test. I personally, I'm a big Glenn Maxwell fan. I know some people hate him, some people love him, but I think he's been a little bit hard done by personally, and I wouldn't mind seeing him in there, even though I know it's not going to happen. Um, and I have an awful feeling that Finch is going to be dropped as well for his home test. But, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. Boys, I, I got the test. If you recall in the tan, I put a test team in, and I got it wrong by one. I'll make the call now. Mitch Marsh is in. They're going to bring an all-rounder in, and it will be Hanscom that comes out. So Hanscom will come out, Mitch Marsh will be in, the rest of the team will stay unchanged. The only thing will knock Finch out is his finger. There it is. Bookmark it, yeah, Nost- Nostradamus it, whatever you want. Lock it in. Is it, pa- is it Pasquale? Is that how we say his name? Yeah, come up with that ripper thread. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there we go. So we've got the cricket talk in uh, the first segment, which is very good. So Aussie's up and about. It makes it more interesting when we're trying to watch it, and hopefully we can knock them over again in, in Melbourne come Boxing Day. Uh, on to the Tigers. A bit's been going on since we last spoke. The drafts obviously happened, and we picked up, was it four pretty, well, pretty good players, and, you know, the first player we picked up, Riley Collier-Dawkins, pick number 20, massive slider. Um, I remember I was sitting there watching it, and every time from about pick 10 onwards, uh, they would read, like, the team would come up, I'd be like, oh, yep, they're taking Riley, oh, yep, they're taking Riley, and it just never happened. I thought, shit, we're half a chance here. So to get him at pick 20, I thought was a bit of a steal, Grok. Uh, what do you make of us taking young Riley? Uh, Riley is similar to Noah Bolter, in my opinion. He was the one player that I wanted for pretty much all year. He's, he's one of these players who's probably got the most uh, sort of upside in the draft. Uh, apart from probably Jack Lacocious, uh in that regard, but he's, he he could be anything. You know, he's got the speed, he's got he's got the height, he's got the marking ability. He can kick, he can run. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised he actually lasted as as long as he did and slid to twenty. It's like so so many clubs are screaming for that type of player, and I, I think the only thing that they thought was that he's one of these players who. Is a little bit of a risk. Obviously, he grew uh, whatever it was, eighteen centimeters in twelve months or something, and um, you know uh, went from playing as a as a midfielder to you know playing more key position and stuff um, through through his junior level. 
before transitioning back into the midfield. But it, it's just one of those ones. I'm I'm absolutely shocked that he lasted. You know, I'm absolutely wrapped. We got him. Uh, he's my favourite player in the draft by far. And just I want to talk about quickly the. Um... I suppose the controversy just before our pick with Carlton coming in and making a trade to get to take Liam Stocker, who everyone or they thought it, in any way that he was going to come to us, but it's kind of since been alluded to that, yeah, we spoke to him, but we weren't really interested. Um, Carlton coming out the laughing stock, having potentially traded away a top two or three pick for a pick nineteen. Yeah, that was... I, I found that funny. Obviously, we were linked with Stocker, but uh, I, I've heard from quite a few people uh, with links to the club that we rated Stocker far lower than what we rated RCD. I think we had RCD at 7 or 8 on our draft board, so uh, obviously we were really happy that he lasted to 20. Um, but I, I think Colton shot themselves in the foot there a little bit. Obviously... Had they known that Doherty was going to go down with an ACL, I, I really doubt they would have done that trade. But having watched having watched that documentary, uh, that little sort of video on the AFL website about the trade, um, Carlton tried to get in for Stocker a couple of times before uh, Adelaide. I, I believe they, they called Port Adelaide and tried to do a deal there before uh, Port took uh, Xavier Dersner. So... Um, yeah, I I really cannot see the see why Carlton had have done that trade. Obviously, giving up, you know, their first rounder uh, next year, which even without Doherty, you'd say would be a top four, top five pick uh, for, for a you know a midfielder who's a solid pick, but he's not. You know, he's one of those players I don't think is going to have enough upside. I think he's probably just going to be more like your Jack Graham type player who'll come in and play a role straight away, but how much actual growth he's got left in development, it, it, I'm, I'm not too sure. And Colton's midfield's not exactly their biggest weakness, so mm-hmm. I, I don't see why they, they would have gone for another midfielder in that draft anyway. It, to me, it, it's just a, it was just really illogical on um, Silvani's behalf. Well, we shouldn't be shocked by that. Uh, CB, Jack Ross, we took a pick 43. He's a pretty well-built uh, young lad. He looks probably the most ready-made <coughs> out of all the draftees we've got this year. He won the be- best and fairest for Oakley Chargers, so he can obviously play a bit. He's a strong inside mid, good at clearances. Uh, and I think I read today on our board that, I think it was Ancient Tiger, potentially I think it was, wrote that um, by all... And he could have just been pulling a leg, but apparently from all reports, he's really impressed the coaching group so far and the players with his work rate and his intensity at training. Uh, is there a spot for a pick 43 like Jack Ross to fit into our side, or is it just carve, you know, learn your craft in the twos and buy your time? Uh, I think I think all of them. I, I think absolutely all the kids we picked up, they're all, yeah, that young stack we'll talk about a bit later. Um, they've all got to do their time in the reserves, which is a sign of a very good, strong club. You know, we're not, the pressure isn't on these kids to come in and try and make an impact. You know, if, if they were in a bottom team, you know, where all your top end picks are like gold. You know, but for us, Jack Ross, like what it's really shown with him is, like you said, it's his work ethic. This kid, this kid went back and worked his ass off, and um, he's he's made of some very good stuff, young Jack Ross. And um, I, I think his time will come, but I, I think you know, you're talking could be what, two years in the resis. You know, you look at some of the guys who've had playing two years in the reserves, very good footballers. So it's, yeah, it's um, definitely a he's a long term prospect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mate, let him learn his craft. Let him learn a game plan. 
Yeah, and that's why teams like Hawthorne and um, Geelong were so successful for so long, because they didn't... Excuse the dogs in the background next door. Come on. I'm trying to record a show here. Um, yeah, Geelong and Hawthorne were able to play their kids in the reserves and let them learn the game plan for so many years, and they could just transition seamlessly into the team, and that's why they could stay up for so long. So to be in a similar position to that is uh, can only be a good thing. Yeah, correct. Correct, and that's that's what I mean. So you look at Patrick Nash. So, so you look at you look at last year's um, draft picks. Um, so Nash has had a year in the system, um, and you know we've got no expectation on him for another year or so either, have we? Yeah, you know? so, yeah, yeah. He, so, he was he was he was a longer term prospect. Yeah, correct. So, but but even then, who we it was Higgins Bolter. So Bolter didn't get a game last year. Coleman Jones. Coleman Jones. So. So yeah, so I look at these kids and I think I look at you know I look at Dawkins and I think mate, you know really a lot to work with there. Big frame, good kid, no pressure. Let, let's build him up for two years. Let's make him an absolute tank, like an absolute animal, and then unleash him. You know, same with Ross. I think you know he, he's a good kid. Seems like a very solid kid. Let him go. Wind him up. Let him go into VFL. Uh, Grok. Next one we had was Fraser Turn with pick fifty-eight. Uh, he plays a bit like a natural wing when he's got pretty good endurance, solid ball use. And he hits the scoreboard when going forward, which seems to be a common trend with some of the guys we've picked up. Uh, but the most important note I had on him is he works hard both ways. Probably another good long-term selection, because uh, the wing spot for us has kind of been a little bit up in the air over the years, hasn't it? So it might be a long, a long shot earmarked for that. Yeah, obviously, wingmen for us have been sort of a bit hit and miss over the past, you know, decade. It's you know, apart, I think the the last solid wingman we had, and people, you know, uh, used, used to hang shit on him. But Greg Tivendale was probably the last genuine wingman we had who was who was very you. good. Yeah, he only did that for one, for not even a full season. So like, uh, but obviously we've got Macintosh now, who who goes on the who who starts off the wing. We've got Greg and Brandon Ellis who rotate off the wings as well. So. It's one of those things. I think Fraser Turner is. I, I actually really like the kid. Like he's. He reminds me a bit of sort of Reese Conker. He's not the inside type, but just his tenacity and and his ability to work hard both ways. You know, get involved, help out down back. But his his line breaking ability and his endurance are absolutely elite. And uh, for him to, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a couple of games. I know he's still light-framed, but he's the type of player that we have put a real emphasis on recruiting. Obviously, you know, he's quick, he's tough, he can he can kick the football, and he works hard defensively, which is what our game plan's built around. So uh, he's one of those players I would not be surprised to see get a couple of games, sort of like what Liam Baker did this year, where, you know, just brought him in for a, a couple of games, give him a taste, and, and just say, you know, this is what it's, what it's going to take to get to the level. So, yeah, uh, Fraser Turner for me is will be an absolute gun, in my opinion. I, I really rate the kid. That all sounds good. And the last one we took, CB, was Luke English with pick 62. Another mature body. He's a midfield stoppage specialist, two-way runner, uh, loves to tackle and can hit the scoreboard. Similar sort of traits to Fraser Turner. But the only thing he probably needs to work on a bit more is his pace. Um, but another midfielder who kicks goals and who loves a contest. Seems to be a, a common trend, especially after losing Conker and Miles, um, to get some more hardness around the ball, whether it be for VFL or as a replacement in AFL if there's injuries. Probably another good pickup there. Yeah, he, yeah. You read his attributes, 
and he's another he's another Richmond special, isn't he? Like he ticks he ticks a lot of boxes of the type of player Richmond's trying to get these days. Yeah. Uh, particularly like you, you look at him say so you look at his attributes, you say he's a two way runner. So the kid's prepared to work hard. He's a tackling machine. Oh, that's right. Who does that? Oh, that's right. Jack Graham does that. He's a two way runner. He tackles his ass off. And he's a goal kicker too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So is Jack Graham. You know, he meets a lot of he ticks a lot of criteria. Um and again, long term, you know, pick picking his sixties could be anything. Um, long term prospect. But um he he, he just all I'll say, he seems like a Richmond special, this kid, and um, a lot of lot of upside, and um, really excited to see how he goes. He took what you look at um, Camden McIntosh, for example. Uh, took what Camden three years to get in the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, Camden started started off as a sort of third third defender, sort of like in the Grimes mould, and then had a couple of injuries as well, which really kept him. Yeah, out, shoulder, but, yeah. 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 So, so I see this kid. I see this kid possibly <laughs> as much as we like to hang shit on this. I could see him probably learning his craft a bit in the back line. Yeah, learning behind the ball, and then moving him forward as he progresses. That's that's what I can almost see with this kid. Yeah. See, for me, um, I reckon English is probably the most uh, likely to debut of all four of our um, of our draftees. Obviously, Jack Ross has got the actual frame to, to play around one, but obviously having lost Reese Conker, that you know, that in, that inside player who who's hard and, and tough and is not afraid to get his hands dirty, get the ball and, and is good in space. English is the closest player to to Conker that we drafted, and uh, people um, obviously he uh, he he slid to obviously we picked him up in the sixties, but most people had him in the top forty and. He's got really good leadership qualities as well. He's, he likes setting the example for the rest of the team uh, with, the, with his work ethic and determination. He, he leads. He's similar to Cochin in that he's not the most outspoken person, but he just leads by example. He does it to... It's, it's, show it's funny, but it's yeah. funny you bring up the Conker thing. He, he won't get a go because Conker's now gone, which I think, and we'll talk about a bit later, maybe this is where the, the Veloston thing comes into play a little bit. And um, I also think that Brandon Ellis will get his uh, chance at redemption this year. So I think I think that's where I think Brandon Ellis will get his shot back in the um, starting twenty-two on that half-back line. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that. I, I always felt like he was not near his best playing on the half-back line. I felt like he panicked quite a bit. I always thought he was better on a wing. Yeah, yeah I always yeah. I, I always thought Alice was better starting off the wing and pushing forward like he was in his first couple of seasons. I mean, you know, he had, with yeah. the goals he used to kick from fifty, and he hasn't really done that in the past three or four seasons. Well, it's changed his roll up, and um, the one thing yeah, you see, see Brandon Ellis. Brandon Ellis is a gut runner. That, his biggest strength is the tank. The prick, he, 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 he looks fit, he looks good, and he's a good footballer. I actually like Brandon. I'm a bit of a Brandon Ellis fan, um, and I think if you if you pick your He's, he, he really is in your best 22 at Richmond. I think personally, if you picked 1 to 22, he'd be in there. If, you, if you're fair to pick in your best 22, I still rate him. I, I rate him too, but I, I don't think halfback is where he should be playing. I, th- I think it comes down, I think that last position comes down to McIntosh and Alice, personally. I, I just think McIntosh is, is more damaging. You know, with his line breaking ability and his kicking, I think it, it really comes down to those two. And and for me, McIntosh has got more weapons than what Alice does. Yeah, 
I think the problem Alice has got is, is there's a few other players who can play a similar role to him, but they've probably got a bit more polish. So they might not be able to work as hard and be an elite of a runner, but skill set-wise, they're probably a step ahead of him. Yeah, so it probably depends where you look at that. Yeah, Richmond, I think Richmond is a very skilled team, but then you've got role players as well. Yep. So not, not yeah. everyone needs to be a, a blindingly great skilled player. They've just got to do their role. So whatever, and we'll, obviously it will all unfold in 2019 as to what goes on. But I think we're in for a couple of um, couple of uh, couple of things. We'll, we'll have a bit to talk about, I reckon, put it that way. And you mentioned Nick Vlosten before. We'll move into the pre-season stuff. Um, doing a, and Kiwi Tiger reported back that he was saw him doing a, a lot of extra running work with <laughs> And there's maybe a slight hint of a role change in 2019. Is that good or bad, do you reckon, Captain Blood? Oh, I, look, what made us great was, and thank God for Neil Baum, was we just put players where they played their best football. And Nick Vlosten's one of the best defenders. Our back six is the, the, you know, with West Coast, they're probably the two best back sixes in the league, right? And it works. Like Nick Vlosten, he's a lead, was he the league leader in intercept marks or something? He was up there, wasn't he? And um, he did it on a consistent basis. Yeah, I don't know that you want to change that. Like, the guy, he's a dead set gun. It's where he racks it up. But, you know, we tried him in the midfield two years ago, and it just, back in 2016, and we saw how that went. Let's just, let's not overthink this. I think it's a bad idea. Keep him on beyond the ball. I agree. Like, he's, he's probably our most composed player coming out of defence, with the ball, and obviously, you know, he's, he's hard at it, puts his body on the line, gets back defensively, helps out, and, and offers drive off halfback. I just think he's too valuable off a halfback flank to move into the middle. Yep, yeah, I vote with that way as well. We'll leave him there. It's where he played his blessed football. Uh, don't mess with it. Uh, but one of the other defenders who created a bit of talk on our board anyway was Alex Rance coming back a week later than everyone else, which was obviously built into his contract or whatever they do. Um, I, I think supporters read more into it than what the players would or trying to anticipate that the players are going to be pissed off about it. But I personally see it as a nothing. If that was the difference between him staying with us or potentially retiring, I'll give him an extra week off every day of the week, Grok. I, I agree. Like, it's one of those things. He's been on the list. He was taken in the 2007 draft, so he's been he's been on the list now over a decade. So obviously he's had enough pre-seasons now where an extra week off a year is not going to make or break his season. It, it, it's completely ridiculous. Obviously, with every... You know, it's a lot more professional now. Um, players have... Uh, programs that they do on their time off away from the club before they come back to preseason anyway, and obviously Rance is hitting hitting his targets because if he if he wasn't, the club wouldn't allow him to have that week off because you know he wasn't doing the work required when he was away anyway. So I really don't see what the big deal is personally. I think the issue people had was maybe not so much his fitness because we know that he's a bit of a freak in that sense, but is it going to put a few noses out of joint that he gets you know to have a bit more time off? Um, compared to other guys who are back there working hard and all that. But when you think about it, the same thing could be said about when Dusty goes home to New Zealand every every other week to visit his dad. I mean, all these other players don't yeah. get the luxury to go back home to their home states and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that we know of. They might, uh, but it's not publicised. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a professional environment. They're all there for the same reason. And just, yeah, there has to be an element of flexibility about it, I think. Guys, yeah, obviously, yeah. Obviously, it would have been ticked off by the leadership group and playing group anyway. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. Only the Richmond board 
could lose their shit over something like this. It's five days. When you analyse it, in a working week, it's five days. It's nothing in a season that goes for 10 months. And um, the, the world of man management has changed. And like you said, the guy's 28 now. It's not like he's some noob or what have you. Um, would have all been ticked off. I'm 99.99999% sure that the player group could not give a shit about it. I think, <laughs> I think with the culture that we have, um, and everybody's different and they're all accepting, I don't think this, this is such a non-issue. Um, it, it's mind-blowing that they even got airtime. Agree. Yep. Uh, next player I want to talk about, which was all, he was also mentioned earlier, is young Noah Bolter, who's a complete man-child when you look at the photos of him. He's an absolute unit. Um, looks primed for a big season, but I know you know 17, 17 other clubs can say that about their players as well. But you, you can sort of tell when a player is set to have a big year in the club's eyes when they start posting those little articles on him and doing little videos about him and stuff like that. So he's getting a bit more attention from the club perspective. Um, but I liked what I saw from him from the back half of the year in the VFL. But for me, I'm just still a bit undecided in my own mind where I would play him on the ground. But I would like to see him be a backup Ruckman. I know Sean Griggs has been there for a while. Um, but for me, it comes down to, can Bolter do Sean Griggs' role better than Sean Griggs, excluding the rucking? Um, or can someone else do it and allow Bolter to ruck? Because I think we need to have that taller player in the middle. I've got something really radical. Go on. And and you've just got to work with me here. Damien Harbour, if you're listening, don't shoot can this idea quite yet. Noah Bolter could do the Rich O'Roll on the wing. No, I was you. just about to say that. I'm I was you. just no, thinking that myself. Were, bullshit you were, Grock. I'm serious. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? hear me out. Yeah, you're right. I think he is. Because let's face it, Collingwood, Collingwood got us because the Sean Grigg joke finally got exposed. And all I did was I hit over the top of Grigg. Their, ball, their on balls all moved forward, swarmed it, knocked it forward, got us. Well done, Collingwood. You beat us twice in eight attempts. Shit up. All right. Boulder has to be that backup rock, rock option. So I think if you play him on a wing, he can still give um, Nank a chop out uh, in the ruck. That's how you fit him in. That's I agree. my personal take. But yep. And yeah. put him on I, a I, ruck as a junior yep. as well. So he's, he's it's not foreign to him. Um, obviously, have to, there's an element of training that has to be done, but it's not like it's the first time he'll be doing it. And then you watch his marking and his athleticism just to be that link-up man between the 50s as well. Uh, I, I think it's the perfect role for him. I, I agree. Yeah, take take out take out Greg, who is is getting on, he's slowing down, and for a player who wasn't quick to begin with, it, it, I think Greg got exposed pretty much towards the end of the season. His kicking's declining, and that wasn't great to begin with either. And I just think right now, Bolter is worth you know just give him a crack at at. The, at at the level, you know, obviously he's got he's got the pace, he's got genuine line breaking ability. He loves taking the game on. He runs in straight lines, can kick the ball sixty meters, and is great overhead. Like, why wouldn't you bring someone who's got genuine X factor and game breaking ability in for someone who's just sort of plodding along at the moment? Yep, yep, I'm with you. And that could and that would have been a ballsy call to have done that in a prelim final. But there was almost grounds to do it with the way that Collingwood structure up, kind of tying back into what you were saying, CB. Um, but yeah, I think the time is just about come for, to chuck him in and, and see how he goes. And yeah, it might take a little while for him to adjust. And look, I feel bad for Grigg. He's been a good servant at the club and he is a smart footballer. Um, but we need 
we need to be more competitive in that second ruck situation because we're going to get undone by it um, as the years go on, I think. Well, I'll, I'll make the call. One of Grig or Hooley has to come out of the team. Yeah, and, and so to even go back another step, if your um, ideal spot for Brandon Ellis is the half-back line, I personally don't think we can play Hooley, Ellis and Short in the same team. From a, a defensive standpoint, I, yeah, I think it, it doesn't work. The, the right chemistry is not there. We seem to work better when there was one of them not there. The, the only thing with the um, with Hawley is the AFL has extended the goal square a little bit. So Hawley on his kickouts, I think his kicking still going to be a real weapon next year. So yeah, I, if, if it comes, yeah, but if it, if it comes down to Grig and Hawley, I'd much rather Grig out of the side than Hawley. So would I. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. From a, definitely from the role-playing perspective. Uh, Ryan Garthwaite looks to have gotten a hell of a lot bigger in the off-season, and his praises have been sung by Jack Rewalt. Um, how do we fit him in? I mean, like you said before, CB, our back line is probably one of the top two in the comp. Rance, Asprey, Grimes, um, and Broad are probably the only ones he could try to dislodge, but it'd be pretty hard-pressed to get in there. But he's one of those guys that you kind of fear that if we don't get games into him, that he's going to end up leaving and we're going to end up regretting it. But you don't want to upset a winning formula either. All right. Look, Garth's time will come. Um, he's going to be... Look, he's showing signs that he's going to be a very competent and very capable defender. But right now, he doesn't dislodge... Um, and he's a key position player. He doesn't dislodge out Asprey and he doesn't dislodge out um, Rance. And I don't get the broad... I'm a broad fan. I don't get the broad knockers. The guy, he's as hard as nails. The, the hits I've seen Broad take, he gets absolutely fucking smashed during games, and he gets up and keeps going. And he's he's what about hundred and he's really tall. And he's about hundred and ninety something, isn't he? And he, he's yeah. quick as the wind. And the Broad is one ninety two. Yeah, and he, he covers big and small. The, the guy's actually a lot more versatile than people give him credit for. So I just actually don't see a spot for Garth. He Garth isn't as quick as Broad. And he's not as good as Rance or Asprey. And he's not knocking out Grimes. He's not knocking out Short. So who's he taking? Yeah, it, it's one of those things. The only the only player that would come out for Garth weight would be Broad. And even then, it wouldn't be, you know, position-wise, Garth plays that third, that third tall that what sort of Broad plays. If if Garth does come in for Broad, what it would be is Asprey and uh, Garth weight take the key forwards and Rance would move into Broad's role as that sort of third floating, roaming defender. But it's just one of those things, like, Broad Rance, does, Rance does offensively, one, yeah. yeah. Rance is your number one one-on-one defender in the league. Yeah, and that, that's the only way, if Garthwaite was to come in, that it would work, because Garthwaite doesn't offer as much defend, uh, offensively as what Broad does. Broad still, you know, can take the game on, utilise his his pace, because he's he's general, gen, he's genuinely quick when he decides to put the foot down. But it's yeah. just he does he doesn't do it as often as as he probably should. But yeah, Garthwaite for me, he he'll get his time. I just I just don't think it's going to be as a defender if he gets games this year. They might trial him up forward as a third tall a couple of games, but it, it won't be as a defender in my opinion this year anyway. The uh, other thing, just a, a quick maybe yes or no answer. This was raised as a hypothetical in the Garthwaite thread. Would you consider trading Asprey out in a year or two so Garthwaite could come in and flourish? How old's David? How old's Asprey now? Uh, he was drafted 2010, same draft as Dusty, so he'd be 27, 28. He'd probably be, yeah, 27. 
He's 27 now, and two years he'll be 29. 29, you'd consider it. If he's won a couple of flags, no issue. But right now, he's untradeable. It, it also depends on what you get for Asprey too. Like if if Asprey if some if a club genuinely came to us asking about Asprey and offered you know a, a first rounder in say the top you know the top ten, you generally consider that. I I, I think you know twenty seven twenty eight year old at that point, and you've got a you've got a ready to go replacement uh, in the VFL who can come in. It, it's one of those things you got you got to weigh up the. Well, you got to weigh up the rewards of losing him rather than you know what he offers as well. And if if it comes down to it for a top ten pick, yeah, I'd be willing to let Asprey go next year for for Garthwaite to come in. It's good selection yeah. headaches to have at the moment with the depth we've got in certain positions. Uh, Tom Lynch, new boy to the club, still in rehab. I'm going to call it now. Dud de list. I tell you, Tom's going all right. Uh, he's looking good. He's he's an absolute beast. Uh, I can't wait to see what this guy does in the field for us. You know, it's funny. You think about that Collingwood game that we lost, and um, just imagine if Collingwood had to cover Lynch as well. Like everyone talks about yep. Mason Cox, so they'll have Cox and um, one. What's his name at the other end? Okay, Collingwood gets back Lyndon Dunn next year, right? In their defensive post, they'll have Goldsack and Dunn. But mate. To try and stop Tom Lynch and Jack Rewell is just going to be – that's going to be bloody hard. I, and the thing is, I don't think it'll upset our balance, not with the way Jack plays, if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. I think it just makes like, it more dangerous. Yeah, I agree. We, I've, I've had this discussion with my cousins so many times, and they're always like, oh, I don't know how Richmond's forward line's going to function with Lynch in and Revolt, you know, pushing up the ground. And I'm sitting there thinking, did you watch any Richmond games? How many times did Jack push up the ground and have to kick to Castagna or Rioli in the goal square, and they're they're getting to and they're getting you know double teamed and triple teamed? It's not going to matter. The only difference is instead of it being you know Castagna, Caddy, or Rioli as our target point in the goal square, it's going to be Tom Lynch, who's who's 200 centimeters tall and pretty hard to defend in the air. Can, can if you anything, imagine? if anything, it's going to make us even more dangerous. Can, can you imagine, right, when we do the old, we sit dusty at full forward and we're streaming out of the back line and you've got Lynch and Rewalt up the ground as targets to aim at and you've still got that one defender sitting back with Dusty, the only bloke in the in the 50-metre arc, mate. He'll be shitting bricks because yep. you know what? Exactly. Those two boys, one of them's going to glove it. You know what I mean? Yep. And I, th- I think that, I think personally, I think uh, Lynch is a better contested mark than Jack. Uh, especially when he's got players hanging off him because he's he's just so tall and his arms are so long, and and Jack's one of these players who once he gets on the leads, incredibly hard to stop. So it's like you can park one, you can park you know Lynch out, you know getting double teamed, have Jack move up, and one of them's still going to take the mark anyway. Yeah, because it's, it's just going to be a nightmare. To double team both of them means another very good player is going to have no one on him. So if we're smart enough in how we yeah. work it. Um, we should see a vast improvement in our 450 entries. And it probably, it, it means that with our game style of that bombing it in long, it's probably not going to hurt us as much because we will have two targets there to try and mark it instead of Jack going one against five and, and hoping it gets to ground for us. So, yeah, very yeah. much looking forward to seeing how this works. Yep, uh, Sydney Sydney Stack, which I think one of you guys mentioned early on, is the young boy from WA who was in this year's draft but wasn't taken. He was touted as top 25 by a lot of people. Some even had him close to the top 10. 
um, wasn't taken because of, I suppose, some off-field issues um, and just not not the nasty, not sort of drugs or alcohol or anything like that. He just was having some troubles keeping consistent football going um, at home and very highly rated, but clubs were just scared off and we're throwing in that lifeline with living at, with, at the Hardwick's house and training with us in hope to get a, a rookie spot by the March cutoff. A pretty good bit of work there, I reckon, Grok. Uh, we were pretty quick onto it before another club snapped him up. And look, there is still the potential another club could come in and swoop on him, but I reckon we're doing all the right groundwork um, for this to work out well for us. Yeah, I remember sitting there on draft night and after, as I said, RCD was my favourite player in that draft and after we got RCD at 20, the next player that I was sitting there screaming at the TV for and in, in the uh, group chat I've got with some family, you know, as we were watching the draft, we were discussing it, I kept saying, come on, Sydney Stack, I want Sydney Stack. He's, he's, one of the, he's got so much talent in the world and it, it's obviously, the, there were question marks on his professionalism. He used to... He used to be the last player to arrive at training and the first one to leave and just his his efforts and stuff. There there were queries on on how seriously he did take his football and, and you know obviously the things going going at, uh, going wrong at home with his family. There there were question marks on on that as well. So it's understandable why clubs passed. But at the same time, this is a kid who has openly admitted the best thing for him would be to get out of WA. Um, so it's it's one of those things. Obviously, if he's saying that, he still wants to make a goal of it. He's going to be committed. And the the risk versus reward for what we're doing, why wouldn't you take a punt on him? He's not costing us nothing. He gets three months at the club before we have to make the final decision. We get to see if he's up for it or not. And if he is, it's going to cost us nothing to list him anyway. So big, big plus up to the club for, for taking the punt on him. Exactly. And Captain Blood, do you think it's a fair call to say that the shape he comes back in after the Christmas break, after he heads home for a week or two with family and how he returns to the club, is that going to be pretty much one of the deciding factors to see how much further we're going to pursue this? No, I think Richard's a different club now. We're, we're ruthless, but we're not that ruthless. I think this kid will be given every opportunity by the club to succeed. And if I'm honest with you, out of all the kids we drafted, this is actually the kid that excites me the most out of all of them. I, I look at this kid and... Um, if we can get his head in the game, could be an absolute superstar. I'll give you two names when you talk about troubled pasts. Uh, was Buddy Franklin a troubled kid? Well, you know, yeah, he, he was. Knocks on him. Yeah, and Jack yep. and Young and Darling from West Coast. He was another one. Yep. Yeah, and look at that. They turned to be absolute superstars. So um, I think this kid, unfortunately, you see the other side with that young girl where Hawthorne gave him a go, probably the best young player in Australia, and couldn't get his shit together. And he's gone yeah. in the spiral. And um, uh, Freo did it with Shane Yaron. And, like, it's, yeah, it's just, I, I, I could see the club giving him the full three, you know, giving him until the March cutoff, March 15th, I think it is. And if if we're, if he hasn't come along as we'd hope, but we still reckon he might, I wouldn't be surprised to see us list him as a VFL player. Correct. Like get him, get him some games at the VFL, give him another 12 months and say, you know, this is a professional footballing club, got access to our facilities, you know, all our, you know, sports scientists, our medicos, everything. If you if you can perform for, for in the VFL season, we'll take you next year. But look at the strong Indigenous culture Richmond's got. Look, exactly look, look right. So, so, so all of, any of the clubs that could put their arms around him, apart, apart from Hawthorne, we're probably the only other club that could really, right now, put their arms around him because we, 
because yeah. of the, the indigenous players we've got, and that's no disrespect to Essendon. I'm not even trying to take a pot shot at them. And he's but... he's already he's already gotten pretty close with the, with the indigenous boys as well. You know, Bolton, Rioli, he's he's gotten really close with those two, and Mabby or Chole as well. So, yep, and um, you got eggs in there as well, young eggs. Yeah, and he got eggs as well. They they they're really close knit, and he's only been at the club what three weeks, four weeks now. So, I I, th- I think things will work out. I I reckon we'll we'll take him. We'll list him. And worst I'll, case I'll scenario, if say, football... Oh, go on. I'll go as far to say, he'll be the, out of all those kids we drafted this year, he'll be the pick of the bunch. That's the irony. The, out of all the kids we draft, what have you, he'll be better than all of them if we get him going. Yeah, that's, that's my call on him. That's not a bad call. If he's if his head's in the game, he's got the uh, the tool set to be able to, to tear it to shreds. So. He reminds me of a mid midfield version of Andrew McLeod, just the way he goes about it. He's just so silky, so composed. He's he's hard at it, can defend, lo, lo, you know, loves to take the game on. He's he's just a very classy, classy footballer. Cross if he's if he's fifty percent of what Andrew McLeod was, we got a gem. Exactly. Line. Yeah. The worst case scenario, if footy doesn't work out for him, he can get a career doing trick shots in basketball. Did you see his post on? I think it was Instagram or something. Threw it over his head straight in. There you go. <laughs> so he's got a bit of talent about him in uh, other sports as well. Um, I want to talk about our membership just quickly. We're, what, 18th of December, and we're already well over 75,000 members, which is unbelievable. Um, we copped a lot of shit for hitting 100,000, which seems bizarre, but more to the point that where we're going to be able to hold on to those numbers given we didn't win the flag, and we still had a pretty good year. Making a prelim is nothing to be... Um, yeah, laughed at. Is the expectation still to crack a hundred thousand? Oh, it's it, going it, to happen. Yeah, after last year, you'd have to say, yeah, it's probably going to happen. You know, obviously, there's there's probably uh, with uh, Tom Lynch coming in, there's there's you know a lot of expectations and you know people are excited. You know, everyone's buzzing about the club. You know how are we how are we going to improve and adapt to the game and you know improve what we've already done. So I I think we'll crack a hundred thousand this year. I, I I reckon we'll we'll break the membership again. Well, fingers crossed. I actually got my membership today. Um, so yeah, thirty three consecutive years as a member, and it was funny reading the membership thread on our board. There was, and even just on Twitter and Facebook in general, there was a lot of people like really pissed off and upset about the fixture and the magnet. And I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. I kind of thought that maybe they didn't put a magnet in there; it was just a bit of cardboard. Um, I thought, oh, okay, that's date. interesting. Literally, no shit. It took me no more than ten seconds to apply the magnet they supplied to the back of the cardboard cutout and stick it on the fridge. So for those clowns wanting to crack the shits about a magnet in a pack and having to put it on your cell, harden up. It, honestly, if that's yeah, the do... biggest thing you've got to complain about, um, yeah, we're, we're doing all right as a club. Yeah, like on first world problems, boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the supporter groups on fa- on Facebook, in one of them, there was a whole thread. Someone was whinging on the actual uh, fixture mag- uh, like magnet. Uh, there's a misprint. One of the dates is wrong. It's, oh, it? It, it was, yeah, it's it's somewhere in July, but it goes the 8th, which is a Saturday or something, and then they've got Sunday down as the 15th, so they're off by a day, 
and people are just raging, you know, they spend so much on their ships and they can't even get their calendar dates. It's just like, if that's the worst thing you've got to complain about in your life at this moment, you're doing something right. Like, yeah. So why, why, have, why have to be so negative? Like, you're going for a cheeky lolly there, Captain Blood. I'm actually having that my membership pack, so I got mine the other day. I oh, there we go. I'm opening a membership pack on the show. I thought you were having a soother or something. I was having this cardboard things in there, boys. You got me curious. Have, have a look at the magnet and see, see if yours has got the misprint on it. Well, I can't even get mine out, boys. Stupid <laughs> fucking memberships. I pay all this fucking money for my fucking memberships. I will say, the cards are a bit more flimsy in here this year, which is a bit, a bit odd. But, um, yeah, the whole magnet thing. Jesus, give me a break. All right, well, but, um, yeah, if you haven't signed up already, make sure you do so. Um, yeah, it's a great club to be a part of. We're flying, so no better time to get behind the club. Um, big football talk that made the news this week, and I've kind of known about this concept for a while, but I wasn't allowed to say anything. The AFLX concept with the four teams and the captains picking their own team. Uh, Jack Rural, one of the captains, um, I, he wasn't the first choice to be the captain of that team. It was another Richmond player. But he didn't want to do that. But um, what's your thoughts, Captain Blood, on AFLX as a concept? I know it's there doesn't seem to be any in, in between, so either you love it or you hate it. Uh, yeah, so what's your take on AFLX concepts with the four captains? Uh, truth be known, I wish we'd just set fire to it and burn it. I think it is the biggest crock of shit amongst crock of shits. It is needless. We don't need it. Um, I, I know, like I said, as we discussed, I, I know they're trying to fill a block in the market, but fair dinkum, it is the most pointless, needless footballing thing that I've ever seen. Mate, you know what? If you're going to fuck that money away and piss it away, mate, blow it on another, blow it on a team in Tasmania. Put it into grassroots footy. Don't waste time on a, on, a, on a game on a soccer field with bullshit goals and a silver ball. And Nah, nah. It, it's... Yeah. It's not for me. That's all I'll say. It's not for me. Yeah, the only thing I liked about AFLX just gone is it gave uh, clubs a chance to show off their younger players like Noah Bolter for us played both games and really excelled and obviously Reese Conker came back from his injury and and played as well. So it gives a chance for the players who've been out you know, a little bit of game sense and, and the younger players, you know, a chance to represent the club, um, you know, in an AFL game, even if it is a, a gimmicky fad one. But I, I, re- I don't like the concept that they're going with now. And I know, Michaels, you're a fan of the concept that they brought out now as compared to the one they had uh, this year. But I just think picking and choosing players rather than allowing clubs to to play who they want and, and, you know, give their younger players a, a chance, you know, to, to play football. I actually preferred that in that regard. Like, it, it gave them something, you know, for fans to see the younger players who might not be able to get down to VFL or something. So, yeah, I, I just think the money is probably better spent elsewhere, as uh, CB said. Yeah, I think the I, money could definitely be spent better elsewhere, but if they're going to go with... The AFLX, like you said, I'm, I actually think the, the way they've done it this year is how they should have done it initially. But break it up, make it something completely different with players playing mixed teams similar to your Big Bash. Um, I think it might have more appeal to see Jack Rewalt playing with Bontem Pelly or with Buddy Franklin or something like that. 
Um, but oh yeah, I st- it still stands that they should have put the money into Tasmania or into country football or something like that, women's football, anything. Um, I'll still watch it. Um, and and to be honest, all the people out there shit canning it on Twitter and Facebook and all that, I'm I would make hazard a bet that ninety percent of them who shit can it will still watch it. And, and that's what it comes <laughs> yeah. down because they're, they're going to be intrigued. They're going to you know just flick it on for twenty minutes, half an hour, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, money could have been. Sp- better spend elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as AFLW, people shit-canning that everywhere, and then those same people who were shit-canning it, you know, saying it's not going to work, were the first ones tuning in to see if, they, if their opinions were justified. Hmm. That that magnet thing, that, that, little, that, that little strip, wasn't it, that you just had to peel off the, yeah, the yeah. little back bit and stick it on? That just sort of took me a second. Yeah, people are outraged if, by that. If, if you were out there and you struggled to do that, you're a fucking pillock, seriously. Like, are they using their feet? Were they, were, they, were they trying to like peel it with their feet or some shit and put it on? Or like, I, I don't I'll understand. Tell you struggle so with it. Tiger seventy one has struggled with it, I reckon. I oh, know he's pretty good with. I mean, oh, he's pretty things, handy no, with. Sm- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's pretty. He's pretty handy with tweezers. Worst comes to worst, you can just try and get the tweezers and the microscope <laughs> out. <laughs> Tiger seventy one. Jesus Christ. You know, all I'm going to do for the next year is just make shit up and win posts of the year. Just fucking make up lies and put it online, and all of a sudden I'll be a god with, you know, 100 Twitter followers and shit. Like, spam. I know. He was on the money with Tom Lynch. He was the man of the man of the year. Brave call to call that from August, and he's copped a bit of shit along the way, but uh, no, he, he deserved his title. It's a shame he's not here to uh, gloat about it, so we'll just shit can him instead wherever he can. That's what we do. Stick the knives in. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, so AFLX, we're probably on the whole saying no. But the, actually, the one good thing to come from it, well, I, good thing, yeah, maybe, but uh, amusing thing, probably more so, Patrick Dangerfield is one of the captains of the teams, and on August 15, I think it was, he came out as the AFL PA president for the players, or whatever role he is, um, and complained about the season being too long, wanted to have a reduced season, and one of the quotes from the article was, I think it has been quite concerning because it is such a demanding game we have. It's the longest pre-season in world sport, and then the season itself is seriously lengthy. Uh, and now he's the captain of an AFLX pre-season team because they're going to throw in $33,000 or whatever it is. Yeah, between fifteen and $50,000, I believe. Oh, is it? Like, like depending on... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a rather healthy uh, chunk of coin. But Dangerfield is the biggest flog in, in football right now. And that's saying something. You've got Eddie Maguire and, you know, Mark McClaw, Sam McClaw. You've got all of these. And yet somehow Dangerfield has the biggest ego of any of them. Like, it's it's one of those things. It's he He's all about the money, you know. He's so hip- hypocritical. Uh, saying he, wa- he wants a shorter season, it should be this, you know, that. But then at the same time, guaranteed, if we have a shorter season, he wouldn't want to take a pay cut, even though he's doing less work. And as you said, he's putting his hands up for this ex- extra, you know, two or three games of, of football or whatever it is, and wanting to be paid for it. So it's like, you know, why, why, why chop and change your mind according to money? It's just coming across Chris Judd-like, to be honest. Yeah, we all know... It, it just confirms he's a flog, a self-opinionated, very, very healthy opinion of himself and his views. And look, he's got some good views. There's no doubt that. He's not, not all bad, but overall, guy's a flog. He's a flog. All right, that, that pretty much sums that up. 
Alright, uh, that's pretty much it for the footy talk. Well, there's a couple of off-topic discussion points I wanted to raise. It's obviously Christmas time coming up and holidays and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and everyone does different things and getting ready for parties and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people involved in Chris Kringle's this time of year, and we often have this argument every year. Is it acceptable to buy a gift card as a Chris Kringle present? Yes. Cool. I'm 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 in the yes camp too. Obviously, Chris Kringle, um, like we're doing Chris Kringle um, ourselves for our family, uh, where everyone spends between five and ten dollars on just a, a gift for someone, so everyone gets a little something. And you know, gift cards, uh, gift cards are kind of like a box of chocolates. It doesn't matter who gets it. You're generally going to be pretty happy with it anyway. It's a relatively safe gift to give as well. And it, you know, there's there's no chance of someone getting upset because you know if they if they waste it on something they don't like, well then they're the ones to blame anyway. So, but I, I while I think it is acceptable to give gift cards, I think the whole uh, idea of Kris Kringle it's more for like the novelty gag sort of sort of gifts. I mean, for Kris Kringle this year, I ended up getting a little. Uh, a toilet putting putting golf set, so you can set up a little putting green <laughs> and a little plastic plastic golf club while, while you're taking a number two. Just you know, it's it's just one of those things like that where it handicap. just gives you enjoyment. I, I haven't tried it, like it's oh. not mine, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy one after Christmas, like because <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. It's like the concept of Chris Kringle. It's like I'm gonna get what I want. That way, if I pick it anyway, you know, I'm happy. So. And what about, yeah, just... uh, what about re-gifting? I know there's probably a few people out there who re-gift. Um, and sometimes it's frowned upon, but is any have either of you ever done it and do you think it's acceptable? Uh, I've been the, the victim, I reckon, of re-gifting, but no, really? I've never out. done it. Oh, did you catch him I... out or did you just think you were? It was just so, it was so shit it had to be a re-gift, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just think, um, no, I... It doesn't sit well with me re-gifting. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's cool. Not in the spirit. This is my take on it. No, nah, not in the spirit of it. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I'm. I haven't. I haven't been the victim of re-gifting, and I won't do it. To me, it just shows a complete lack of disrespect to the person who got you the gift in the first place. It's like you know, I don't really want it. It's. It's like. Uh, it's it's just, not good enough for me, Grok, but it's good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's, it, it just, yeah, to me, it, it really doesn't sit well. It's just completely disrespectful to the person that um, that bought you the gift, and as you just pointed out, the person you're giving it to as well. It it just shows you got very very little opinion of them in that in that regard. So, yeah, don't don't re-gift people. And one of the other hot topics that was uh, at my in-laws' household. Was there the other day? We're doing some painting and renovations, helping them out, and they they bought fish and chips for everyone for lunch. And they got out the tomato sauce, and that was all great. And then my brother-in-law's partner put the tomato sauce away back in the fridge, which caused outrage from my wife and someone. It might have been someone else there. They like has to go in the cupboard. Has to go in the cupboard. Um, tomato sauce in the fridge or the cupboard, Grok? Uh, I keep mine in the cupboard. Uh, that's just how, you know, I was raised. But if you actually read the back of the bottle, it says refrigerate after opening. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you got that. And then pe- people who put it in the fridge hide behind that, you know, refrigerate after opening. But there's just so many preservatives in the sauces and everything these days. It doesn't really matter where it goes now. Like, 
it, it's just, yeah. I'll, I'll, give I'll, you a lesson, I'll give you a history lesson, boys. Who was responsible for putting expiratory dates on milk cartons? Oh, i got no idea. Brock, have a guess. Uh, the milk production company. It was Al Capone. Because in the 20s or 30s, he had close friends who got really, really sick from off milk. And he fought to get expiratory dates put on um, milk things because the product goes off, which takes us now to our source argument. It kind of freaks me out that people wouldn't refrigerate it after opening because if that shit is still uh, eatable and you're not refrigerating it, like you got to wonder what type of chemicals are in your sauce bottle, mate. That sort of freaks me out. So I'm a definitely in the fridge camp because the label tells me to because I think it's just good practice. Yeah, well, yeah. someone's the other done thing... a study of some kind to determine that it has to go on the fridge after opening. There's a reason for it. Yeah, the un- the only thing I'll say on the on the expiry dates is there's a difference between expire and use by and best before. Best before yeah, the same thing. On the, yeah on, uh, best before on uh, on on dates uh, like their dates usually means that the 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 quality goes down, but it's still generally safe to consume. Whereas expiry dates and, and use by dates mean you know it's not you don't consume it at all. Well, so if it's the a day, best before, that's generally why you'll see things um, like in the supermarket and stuff. If it, if it's close to the the use by date, they'll discount it because it's still safe to consume. But obviously, people don't want it. Yeah, but but, but they're guides. Essentially, they're guides, right? It's like yeah, you know, if you really want to eat this, you know, while it's nice and fresh, what have you, eat it by this date. If you want to roll a dice, yeah, eat it about a week later. See how you go. You know, that's all. It is. It's, yeah. It, as you said, it's, I've, I've, had, I've had milk go bad, you know, a week before the, the expiry date, and then I've had milk that's, you know, a day close to it, and it's still really good. So, But do you know why? Yeah. Do you know why that is? Why? Because, so what's generally happened is, like, when it comes off the, when it comes off, when it go, before it goes in a supermarket, right, it come off pallets out of a refrigerated truck. It's probably been yeah. sitting on the back dock, right? <laughs> it's probably sitting on the back dock for about two hours in the heat, three hours out of refrigeration, <laughs> and they put in the yeah. problem is the bacteria. Because bacteria multiplies by two. So two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, etc. right? So what happens is, is it warms up. And by the time you put it back into cooling, it holds at that bacteria level. It doesn't decrease it. So whatever's at that bacteria level, by the time you get it back in refrigeration, it gets to an acceptable temperature. That's the problem with your milk. There you go. Yeah, well, it's an educational show, the Tiger Cast. Anyone who says otherwise is lying. Yeah, come at me, bro. What else you want to know? Talk to me. Well, where do, where do you... Where do you sit on the sauce, Michaels? Well, when uh, I suppose living at home, I think we were a sauce and fridge family, but then since living with my wife, it's now in the cupboard, so I just leave it there and I'm not brave enough to move it <laughs> elsewhere. And we have the, <laughs> exactly, and we have the same argument over chocolate. I'm very much a chocolate in the fridge person, where she's in the cupboard, and if we do nah, shopping, I just cupboard. put them all in the fridge, and um, yeah, it doesn't end well for me when she finds out that her chocolate's been in the fridge and it goes all hard, and it's yeah, it's not not a good outcome. Yeah, no, 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 chocolate, chocolate out of the fridge. You, you're a heathen. You're an animal. <laughs> I, I keep I keep my chocolate in the cupboard until I'm ready to eat it, and then I'll put it in the fridge for fifteen minutes. Like, I don't keep it. 
<laughs> it just goes it. into my guts, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't keep, I don't keep it in the fridge all the time, but I'll put it in there fifteen minutes before just to sort of chill it. To chill, yeah. Oh. Speaking of chocolate, can I just say, uh, Cadbury, I'm about to consume four times my body weight in those chocolate almonds in those um, canisters you get. <laughs> the best part of Christmas. I can't, once I start eat one, I just I can't stop. I become I'm like a chocolate almond terminator. We got to eat them all. Uh, there's some good stuff come Christmas time. We're enjoying our advent calendars at the moment. Mum and Dad each year still get us the old advent calendar, but they went a bit creative this time. They, it's, I think it was something from Aldi. It was like a a house with little little drawers on it, numbered one to twenty four, and they've put their own little chocolates in there. So. That uh, gives me something to look forward to every day before I go to work. Um, okay, on the Christmas topic, before we wrap up, are you guys got any plans going away, staying at home? What what are you both doing? Oh, uh, you go, CB. Right. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do much over Christmas because um, my little fella, um, we'll be playing in a country week tournament. And they play it in this region. No shit. It always starts on around about New Year's Day. So this year's tournament goes for five days. starts on the 31st of December. Oh, so, geez. and it goes, yeah, mate, it's his last year of it, thank Christ. So um, I haven't had a New Year's for three years. Um, but, yeah, so we really can't do much um, until after that tournament's done. And then even then we've got a 2020 tournament to finish off our Gippsland Country, Country League uh, games for under 16, which oh, I actually coach that team. And uh, we've got that down in Painesville. So I've got about a five-day break from cricket <laughs> in between, which hopefully yeah. we'll get away in the old JK and have a bit of fun. But that's about it. Fair enough. What about you, Grock? Are you going away for Christmas, New Year's or anything like that? Uh, Christmas, uh, I'm not going away. I'm just going over to my aunt and uncle's place. Uh, we, we have a big family gathering over there. Um, they've obviously they've got the bigger house and enough room for everyone. So we, we go there. New Year's days. Uh, New Year's is probably just going to be pretty quiet. Just go to a friend's place to get, um, you know, won't, won't be a, a big one. I, I do have uh, something to do on the New Year's day that I need to be uh, pretty sober for, so I can't exactly go all out. Uh, but then, yeah, it's just mostly just going to be recovering because my birthday's the week after, so it's like you know, Christmas Day you're going to be drinking, New Year's drinking the week after that is my birthday, so drinking again. So just think hey, of the what, first what, what two is training it? sessions in the lead up to the big game. What, yeah. what day's your birthday in January? Uh, the eighth. Guess when mine is. What's that? I'm 45 on the seventh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Joint birthday celebration. It's a shit time to have a birthday because, like I said, everyone's everyone goes Christmas, yeah, it goes hard. New Year's, yeah, it goes hard. The week later, they're like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're all trying to recover from it because they, they've gone too hard. It's just like, oh, not again. It's like <laughs> it, it is a it's a shit time to have a birthday, and it's even shitter having it. Because I was sitting there, I'm a twin, and we were discussing what we're going to do for our birthday. And it took us about three and a half hours to uh, come up with something where we that we both wanted to to do. We're we're going to go out for dinner like we normally do, and we spent three hours like arguing and going back and forth over where we wanted to eat. And it's just. It is so frustrating having a twin because you can't do what you want. You have to come up with some sort of sort of like compromise. It's just really shit. 
It is. No, I feel, hey, trust me. I feel your pain. I know all about it. Fair enough. All right. Well, on that yeah. note, uh, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. And to everyone else out there, thanks for listening all throughout the year. And hopefully everyone has a safe and happy Christmas and New Year and enjoy yourselves. And we'll definitely be back for season 2019 at some point early on in the year um, with some more pre-season podcasting. But once again, Grokodok and Captain Blood 17, thank you so much for your time again tonight, guys. Thanks for having us thank- on. Yeah, thank you for having us on. And guys, please be safe on the roads. Don't be dickheads. Be patient. Don't overtake on bends or hills. You'll get there. Just don't be a wanker on the roads. Be yep. safe, everyone. Drink gravy. Eat shitloads of food and chocolate. And just put on about 15 kilo all ears. Love you all. Absolutely. Also, be- said it better. Before we go, uh, in light of the Magic Door news today, um, as someone who suffers from severe clinical depression, if anyone out there listening to this is struggling, I do urge you to strongly seek out help, whether it be a family member, friends, or even Lifeline. It, it's better to have someone to talk to about these things than, you know, do something that you're going to regret and hurt hurt other people anyway. So, please, at this time of the year, I know things can get tough if you if you're struggling. But just know there is help out there and you'll get through it. Yeah, great call. Fantastic. Guys. Couldn't have said that better myself. So stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you all in 2019. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers.